Good morning, church family. It's great to be with you this morning. Although this is kind of really weird for me to be in this position talking to you without seeing any faces out there. But kind of what I'm hearing anyways, when we get back into church, we'll all have masks on anyway, so we probably won't be able to see each other's faces for a while. But I'm so grateful this morning that Pastor Shane has given me kind of this opportunity to share with you about the history and the mission of the Legacy Project of Stark. You know, normally when I get to come into churches and, and share about our program, I get about five minutes to kind of share with you all of my passion and all of my, my vision for our program. But this morning, I figured since we're doing this remotely, I probably got hours to share with you because you guys can get up and get a cup of coffee and get breakfast or whatever you need to do. And I really can't see if you guys are sleeping or if you tune me out anyway. So we're gonna go with that this morning. So let's get started. I've um, titled my message this morning, um, How Far Are We Willing to Walk? How far are you and I willing to walk? And I really think this plays into and goes along well with what Pastor Shane shared with you guys last week um, about the gospel message and, and what it takes to share that message with each other. So I think this is going to be a great addition to what he shared with you guys in last week's message. And so this morning, I don't simply want to... Um, tell you about the Legacy Project, and then hope that somehow, some way, you guys are gonna to wanna to be involved and be part of our program. I want you to walk with me kind of through the journey that has brought me to this point. Kind of what God has orchestrated in my life so that each of you can, can really see, clearly see that God has a mission for every single one of us. Every single one of us, whether you get involved with the Legacy Project or with something else, God has a mission for you to partner with Him in. You know, when I was growing up, I loved it when missionaries would kind of come to the church and, and they would come and they would speak about their adventures at those faraway places. And I would think to myself, man, that, that must have been really cool um, to, to, to be there, to live in those faraway places and to do God's work there. But I was always glad, I always had that, that inner feeling in my heart that it was, I was glad that they were the ones to do it. I was glad that um, the missionaries were handling and they weren't asking me to go on, you know, back to those remote villages with them, that they had it handled. But what I've learned in my, my past 55 years on this earth is that God calls each and every one of us to, um, to be on a mission with him. And it's not just a call for just a few people that, that, are, that are on in the mission field in faraway places, but for all of us, we're on mission together. And so for me, my story goes like this. My mission began about 30 years ago. Um, I was sleeping one night and I had this, I kept having this literal reoccurring dream over and over again every night that I was gonna run an orphanage. And I don't know if you guys have had dreams like that, I'm sure you have, but it was so real and so vivid and I kept having it over and over again that it was, I just, I couldn't get it out of my mind. It was something that God was laying on my heart and in my mind. And so with my dream kind of always on my mind, God began to take me on this journey with him. And it began simply by teaching Sunday school at the church I was attending at that time. I was teaching middle schoolers every Sunday morning in, in Sunday school class. And then God opened the door for me to become a youth pastor. And so I was a youth pastor at a church for a while. From there, he directed me to pastor and plant two churches, and I got to teach older kids. <laughs> and as I was pastoring my second church, um, we were asked as a church family to provide backpacks and school supplies to Lehman Middle School in Canton City. And so we began to do that. We began to get involved with the, the school and with the staff. And, you know, as a pastor, I thought, you know what, let's, let's move the church to the school. And so we, we took our church from where we were meeting and we started meeting in the school. But for me, 
I always had in the back of my mind this dream. This dream that um, God gave me this passion to somehow serve his children, to somehow reach his children. And I was, you know, just part of that middle school, and I, I, I just couldn't let it go that, you know, these students need to know, needed to know that they had value. That someone had to come in and, and let them know that they could be anything that they wanted to be. And so in August of 2015, after much prayer and, and hoping that God would somehow change his mind. You see, I was, I was a bivocational pastor, meaning I had a full-time job and I pastored on the side. So I was really hoping that God would change his mind. But in 2015, I quit my, my well-paying job as a construction sales person and I founded the Legacy Project of Stark. And again, it wasn't this traditional picture of what I had in my mind when I had that dream of running an orphanage, but this was really God's amazing plan, God's amazing dream that he gave me. And so simply, just to tell you what the Legacy Project is, we're a middle school mentoring program, and we go in and we mentor fourth grade through eighth grade boys and girls, and we recruit and we train and we get teams of two adult volunteers ready to go in and really just have lunch with the kids we have a program and we supply everything that you need to, to go in and be with this, these kids. But our program is really just built around letting the kids know that they're valued. Letting them know that they have potential, that they can be somebody and something when they, when they grow up. And just kind of the, I want to share just a little bit about the growth of our program. I call it the growth of my orphanage. In 2015 and 2016, we, we, we began at Layman, and it was kind of an after-school program, and so there was like three of us as mentors, and we had about 30 kids that were participating in the program. And then this next year, Jen Warner, my amazing program director, had this idea to go in at lunch. And so we, we, we started at Maslin and Canton City and Oakwood over in Plain, Plain Local, and so that year of 2016-2017, we were mentoring over 300 kids with about 60 mentors. And our program has kind of grown substantially year after year to this year, 2019-2020, um, we had 240 adult volunteers mentoring over 1,500 students in 10 middle schools all over Stark County and a little bit into Wayne County. In Maslin alone, we were reaching about 300 kids this year. So again, my dream of this orphanage was this. I had this big picture of this farmhouse sitting on a hill with a stream running through it and, and me maybe reaching a few kids. But that wasn't the impact. That wasn't the call that God had on my life. God's dream was so much bigger than that. His, his dream of my orphanage was, was opening and starting this program that we were reaching and impacting over 1,500 children. And it still blows my mind to, to really think about that. To, um, this simple dream that God gave me um, is, is something that we're able to impact all these kids. And here's the truth. As we move into the reality of this COVID-19 crisis, um, we believe that there's going to be even more of a need for adults to mentor kids through this. These kids are going to be starved for someone to, to pay them some attention after all this um, exclusion from, from being part of, of the world. You know, a survey was taken in Stark County uh, a couple of years ago, and it stated that 60% of students felt that they were alone. 60% of our students were coming to school feeling that they were alone. Can you even imagine what that would be now with these months of self-quarantining that they've had to endure. And so that's really one of the reasons that I'm here speaking with you this morning. It's God's, this, God, this dream that God has given me is, is only going to be possible with God's people coming alongside us, 
God's people wanting to be part of what we're doing and, and partnering with me and the Legacy Project with this dream that he's given me. We've realized that along with hopefully being back in the schools this fall, that we need to do even more to connect with the kids through and during this crisis and after the crisis is over. And so along with our Legacy Project to Start mentoring program that we do during lunch, we're going to start another facet of the Legacy Project called Remix. And it's just a, more of an opportunity for, to, for us to connect even more with the kids. And so Remix is going to be something that we're going to do this summer. We, we've got a, the governor kind of announced today that hopefully we could do summer programs. So we're going to get a summer program started up in June, and you're going to hear more about that. We're going to do some after-school stuff with the kids, some special occasion things that just to give us more opportunity to meet with the kids and connect with them beyond just the lunch period. And so if you want to check that out, if you want to kind of look and see what the Legacy Project of Stark is about, you can go to our website. Um, it's under construction. We're hoping that it'll be up and running when you when you hear this message. But go to the thelegacyprojectofstark.org, thelegacyprojectofstark.org, and you can go on there and it kind of explains our program, explains how you can get connected either, either if you want to be part of the program or you just want to give to the program and help fund what we're doing. But go to our website and check that out. I want to take just the next few minutes and I want to kind of explain... Um, not just the program, but really the passion that I have for what we do in the schools. Um, and it goes back to the beginning. How far are you and I willing to walk? Like I shared with you before, I love listening to the missionaries. I love listening to their adventures. But I, but I figured that God would never ask me to, to go away to another part of the world. God would never ask me to, to join him on mission there. But I think what we fail to realize sometimes is that we have a mission field that you and I walk around in daily. You and I have a mission field that every day when we get up, we have the ability to walk and mission and be mission to, missionaries to our families, at our workplaces, in our relationships, at schools. These are all mission fields for you and I to be able to go and, and do God's will and, and give the hope to his people there. You know, this concept of a, a mission field being close to home kind of hit me in a big way when I was working with a group of sixth graders at Lehman Middle School. And I grew up kind of in a small town, and so I was kind of sheltered from this um, inner city life and this big city life. And so I was working with this sixth grade class, and I noticed that this sixth grade girl was, was kind of always tired in class, putting her head down, sleeping, um, not paying attention, just really exhausted. You know, me being adult, I'm assuming that she's probably staying up at night watching too many video games or, or on the YouTube or, or doing whatever kids do. And so one day I went up to her and I said, you know, honey, why, why are you so tired? Why are you so exhausted? And she looked up to me and she said, you know what? I don't get to sleep much because my parents rarely come home at night. And so I have to make sure that my younger brother and my younger sister make sure that they're fed at night. Make sure that they have clean clothes for school the next day. I have to make sure that they get on the bus. And I realized at that moment that, yes, we need missionaries that are going to go to far reaches of the world. But we also need missionaries that will go within walking distance of where they live. You know, one of my favorite passages from the Bible is Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And it says, If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. 
And I love this passage of Scripture because of how clear and concise God says that we can have a relationship with Jesus. We can begin this journey with Jesus and have an eternal relationship with Him, with him forever. Simply declare that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised Him from the dead and you will be saved. And it always amazes me is how, how simple God made this plan of salvation for you and I. And I pray that each one of you have taken advantage of it for yourself. I pray that each one of you have, have simply chosen that for yourself. But I think for most of us, we like to accept that truth, right? Like we like to say, you know what? This is great how easy God has kind of made a way for me to, to ask Jesus to be in my life. But, but we fail to read on in Romans chapter 10 about the responsibility that comes with that salvation. Listen to this from Romans 10 chapter Chapter 10, verses 13 through 15. Scripture says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. How could I have ever expected, or how, how could I have hoped that, that I could introduce Jesus to that tired little sixth grade girl and his hope for his life if I'd never walked into that school? How could I have hoped that, that someone could maybe encourage her to say, you know what, things will get better if I'd never entered into her life? How can they hear about Jesus unless someone tells them? You know, I wanna stop for just a minute because I, I don't want to mislead any of you about what the legacy project of Stark is in the schools. We are not a faith-based nonprofit. We're not a faith-based nonprofit just because we want to be able to be in the schools and be part of the lives of these students and, and the schools to, to allow us in there. And so our curriculum and our program doesn't verbally share Jesus with the students, meaning we can't go in and and have Bible studies and quote scripture and hand out tracts and, and do all the things that we can do in a church environment. But we do believe that through our relationships with our students, that they will see Jesus in us and want to know the hope that is hopefully on display for them through our lives. Because I believe that the gospel message is best shared through relationships. The best way that you and I can share the love of Jesus and the hope of Jesus is by just simply being part of someone else's life through a relationship. Remember that 60% of the students are coming to school each day feeling alone. And how beautiful are the feet of, of adult role models who are going into our middle schools to lessen the loneliness of these kids on a daily basis. You know, I think so many times we as Christians that have grown up in the church and been part of the church most of our lives, we assume that, you know, people can only learn about Jesus, and, and we believe that the only way that Jesus got his message across was when he was teaching or when he was preaching or when he was sharing. But I want, to hear, I want you to hear another mentoring lesson that you and I can learn from Jesus today. And it's a story that you know you probably heard a million times or read so many times or heard messages on, but I believe we missed the important part of how Jesus impacted the life of a child. It's the miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I want us to look at verses 9 and 11 of John chapter 6. It says, Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, 
had the people sit down. And so there's plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down. About 5,000 men were there, meaning that they probably had their wives there and kids there. So there's tens of thousands of people sitting in this field. And Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. And you see, I believe when we read scripture that every syllable in God's word has a purpose, has a lesson in it. And so I had to pause when I read the verses at the beginning of verse 9. Here's a boy. Because scripture could have said, you know what, the disciples went into the crowd and they, they, they kind of found some people that had a few fish and a few loaves and they brought it back and Jesus performed this miracle. But it said, here's a boy. And I believe that Jesus knew that, that, that he was going to impact this, this young man with the miracle that he was about to make happen. You know, when I read stories like this, I love to put myself kind of in the, in the, in the place. So I can just imagine myself sitting among these thousands of people and watching all this happen. And, and can you even imagine the impact that this would have had on that young man? Can you even imagine the impact? Jesus brings him up in front of thousands of people. And I kind of can picture Jesus kind of putting his arm around this, this little guy and shoulders. And the boy watches Jesus as he takes this small little lunch and miraculously feeds thousands of people with it. And I can't even grasp, I can't even wrap my head around the experience that this would have done, not only for this little boy's self-esteem, but how being part of the, this miracle process with Jesus would have grown his faith. I believe that Jesus knew exactly what he was doing when he asked that little boy to come up front with his lunch. I see every day how the smallest bit of attention affects a child's life. And so for this little boy, this had to be huge. And I know that scripture doesn't tell us, but I'm sure that Jesus probably went on to preach this amazing sermon and, and it, was a, it was a great afternoon. But let me ask you this, what do you think that little boy took home that day? What do you think he left that day of when Jesus is preaching to the 5,000? Because I don't know about you, but I've sat through a lot of sermons, even as an adult, and walked away with nothing. And I hope that's not what you're getting this morning while I'm preaching to you. But I've listened to a lot of sermons and I've left thinking, you know what? I didn't get anything out of that. But what do you think that boy walked away with that special day with Jesus? Because of Jesus simply taking the time, you know what? He was preaching this sermon. He didn't probably have the time to take all this time and, and have this little boy come up and do all this. But Jesus took the time out of his day, out of his busy schedule to put his arm around this little boy so that he could see his value and worth. I'm sure that boy's self-worth, that self-esteem kind of skyrocketed from that encounter with Jesus. You know, if you're part of the Legacy Project family, you get to go into schools each week and you get to show these kids that they're worth something by simply taking the time out of your day to make them feel loved and appreciated. One of the loudest cries we hear from the kids that we meet every single week is they don't feel loved, that no one cares about them that they don't have any idea of what family life looks like of, uh, or feels like to them. And sadly, many of the kids that we meet each week are wondering, you know, is my life even worth living? I'm even recognizing that I'm here. These kids are starving for someone to love them, for someone to put their arm around their shoulders and let them know just how much they're valued. And here's the thing. They'll take attention from anyone. And so we really need to be obedient to God and not let the wrong people give them the attention that they're starved for. Because here's the thing. Our kids don't necessarily want us to tell them what we know, but they want us to show them that we care. 
They don't want us simply to go to them and tell them, hey, this is what you need to know. They want us to really get into their lives and show them that you and I care about them and that they're important to us. And again, the Legacy Project is not necessarily focused on preaching the gospel and making sure that the kids get saved, but we are passionate about forming relationships that God can use to plant seeds of hope in their lives. It's not so much about going in and seeing if we can save all these kids, but again, we're passionate about going in and forming relationships so somehow, some way, these kids can see there's hope beyond just the circumstances that they have to live in in a daily life. I want to close with this last experience I had kind of with one of my students at Lehman Middle School that I was mentoring. And, and as you probably hear, he probably had more of an impact on my life than I did on his. But I, I want to share that story with you in closing today. The young boy's name was Manny. And Manny started um, in the Legacy Project, and I started mentoring him when he was in sixth grade. And I wish you could have all met or meet Manny. Manny had a great heart. He was always coming to school with a smile on his face. And, and one of his signature things was he would give everybody kind of thumbs up when he saw them. And, and, and Manny had this amazing, beautiful heart, but he came from nothing. He had nothing. Um, he didn't have a bed to sleep on. And eventually the, the, the school staff, you know, raised some money to, to get a bed for Manny. But, but he came from nothing, but had this beautiful heart. And so one day the the school was having this, this dance after school, and, and I, I, I saw Manny in the hallway, and I said, hey, Manny, you going to the dance? And he said, no. He said, I don't have the $2 to get into the dance. Well, immediately I reach into my pocket, and I pull out a couple of bucks, and I said, hey, I want you to go to the dance, and I want to see you there. And so I, I, later on, I was, I don't, I don't recommend this to any of you, but I was chaperoning this middle school dance, um, and so I was standing outside of, of the cafeteria, and I was, I saw Manny kind of come up and he wasn't coming in. And so I went over to him and I said, you know, what's going on? I, you know, you got your ticket and stuff? He said, he said, no. He said, you know, you taught us in group about the importance of sharing, about the importance of, of giving back. And so there was another boy that I met, another friend of mine that didn't have the $2. So I gave him the money that you gave me so he could go to the dance. And I continued to have Manny in my life and be part of my life in seventh grade and in eighth grade. And in his eighth grade year, Manny started to kind of have issues with his vision and he started to lose his balance. And he found out, went to the doctor and found out that he had a terminal brain tumor. And even when Manny found out all this stuff, you know what, this is, this is going to be life changing, a life ending for you, Manny. He still maintained that sweet spirit, that spirit, you know what, I'm going to be positive even through this. And so eventually Manny goes into the hospital with not much time left. And he asks if some of his teachers, and he asks if I would come up and visit him. And so we went up and started visiting Manny. We started going up a couple times a week to visit Manny. And the teachers that we took up, you know, they kind of had a, a faith similar to mine. And so we started to share with Manny about the hope that we had with Jesus beyond this life. We started telling him, you know what, there's hope beyond this, this terminal brain cancer. And eventually, uh, Manny accepted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And I had the extreme privilege and honor of baptizing Manny in that hospital room. Not, all, not long after that, Manny went home to be with Jesus. And I get a call um, the day after he passed, and his mother asked me to do his funeral. 
And not only did I get to honor Manny and tell everybody about how awesome Manny was and, and the amazing life that he lived and the, the amazing life that he shared with all of us and the impact that he made on my life and, and the life of everyone that he met, but I got to share the hope of Jesus with, with so many people, students and staff and Manny's family. And again, I want to just say again, the focus of the Legacy Project of Stark is not to preach the gospel, but be willing to love these students to the gospel. Not preach the gospel, but go to these students and love them to the gospel. So I ask you again this morning, how far are you willing to walk? How, how far are you willing to walk with your life? If our program sounds like it's a good fit for you and you want to find out more about us, go to our website and check it out. But for some of you, you're probably sitting here and you're thinking, you know what, working with middle school students is not my, my gig. I don't think that sounds like something I want to be involved with. That doesn't excuse you from your walk. It doesn't excuse you from the calling that God's placed on your life. And God expects us, all of us, in our own special way to join him on mission and just to begin to, to spread this, this hope to this world that's, that's starved for someone to come and love them and be part of their lives. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the hope of Jesus. And I just pray that we would be a church that becomes the hands and feet for you. That we would reach out and we would love a world that's, that's searching for something right now, that's searching for hope, that's living in, in so much fear from everything that's going on. And we have the answer. We have the hope because of what you did for us, Jesus. And so I pray that we would be a church that honors that call and answers that call and mobilizes to do whatever it is that you're asking us to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.